0: We're making a very bold statement there. You are the God of miracles. It takes faith to declare that with confidence. And that's what we're about, right? We're people of faith. Faith is being sure of, says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, and confident. Faith's not a wondering maybe. And so to say something like that as directly as that takes faith, you are the God of miracles. Not, oh, I wonder if you are, or I think you are, or maybe you could be. It's like you are the God of miracles, the God of the impossible. Without faith, it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God. Faith is kind of the ingredient that makes it all happen. So as we in Scripture, that the righteous walk by faith and not by sight. We can get completely distracted by and completely uh, overwhelmed by what we see in front of us, whether it's a challenge, whether it's um, a gift, whether it's an opportunity. If we're looking at that, we can miss what we're supposed to see. God wants us to see with eyes of faith. As we continue to launch and walk the path of Parkside, it's like... We could just plan that as a church. We've got the resource to back it up. It's like it could just be the mechanics of starting a location down in Parkside, but it's so not that. We've got to walk by faith. I love the way we prayed about that venue. We haven't got a building here. We haven't got a place to call home down there. But it's like I'm thinking we need to have faith that God's going to deliver us something down there that is not going to cost us an arm and a leg it's going to be even if it does he'll supply us an arm and a leg it's like it's like come on it's like God's got this right I want to say to you this morning before you sit down God's got your world he's got your situation he's got your deal in his hand and the key to the breakthrough that you might be longing for the key to the shift that is got to happen is faith wasn't expecting to start in this spot this morning, but it's a good place. He is the God of miracles, and He is the God of the impossible. Well, let me pray as we come around the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd open our ears, open our hearts, that we'd hear from Your Word truth today that unlocks our future. Father, that we'd hear words of correction and maybe even rebuke, not being told off, Lord, but being encouraged by the strength of who You are, to do things differently, to live differently, to think differently, to react to people and circumstances differently. So, Lord, I pray today that uh, the words that come out of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. You can tap your neighbor and say, this is going to do us good. Have a seat. Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat as well. I just want to move on from that little sort of teaser that I threw out there about Genesis chapter 1 um, a little earlier. I'm um, going to pick up that theme tonight down at um, Begildee, at Glen Osmond, for Seasby Parkside. We all got that straight, right? We're all good? No one's doing anything? Okay, we're clear as, we're clear as a bell. Um, so let's move on to something else here this morning. Last sermon in the series on miracles. Our month of focusing on miracles. You are the God of miracles. It's our last service for the time being with two services, one at nine and one at eleven. Next week we start ten o'clock as was advertised for Father's Day with brunch. And then beyond that, we are heading into ten AM only services for the remainder of the year. And we'll see how we're tracking by Christmas time. If we've got three hundred people here at a service on a Sunday morning, we'll need to go back to two services. That would be a good day, right? Yeah. Yeah, some of that side was yes, this side was like, hmm. <laughs> Let's just try that again. That'd be a good thing, right? Yes. Oh, that's better. A bit more balanced response. Fantastic. All right, so as we focus this month on miracles, I've been really challenged about my expectation of seeing, expecting, and experiencing miracles and believing for them. It's very easy, even in my role as a pastor, to get, as I've used the word already this morning, mechanical. It's like we can just do church and lose our way with the sense of awe and wonder that we worship a God who is supernatural. We worship a God who is a spiritual being. He operates in a different world to us. He operates in this world, but his kingdom's not of this world, it says in Scripture in a number of places. Jesus himself said that when he was being accused in front of Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's like, okay, so Jesus is a king somewhere else. But it's not of this world. It doesn't mean it's not in this world. It's just not of this world. Yeah. And so they coexist. It's a real strange mystery to unpack that the kingdom of heaven is here and now in amongst what is turning out to be a fairly turbulent time in history as far as the world is concerned. Um, alongside the reality of what I want to say, that we should and need to move to a place that miracles are an everyday part of the walk of a Christ follower. We shouldn't be surprised when miracle happens, but we are sometimes. We, we, I believe, need to be heading down a pathway where we expect a miracle to happen. Not because we don't want to do the work, and I'll get to that in a moment. It's because we want God to intervene. We want God to put his hand on something. We want God to, to bless people. We want God to unlock people from being tied up in knots in whatever that might be in, in their world. And at the same time as we've, I've been focusing on and thinking that through, I've loved, as I said, Rick Warren's um, Bible study plan we looked at this month. And one of, the emphases, one of the emphases he's had in that for the month that's spoken to me greatly is he's emphasised the us part of the world of the miraculous, not the me part. And I've thought about that. And part of what I want to say this morning is about that reality that the kingdom of God... Is not a kingdom that's about me. It's not a kingdom where it's filled with the language of I, 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 I. It's filled with the language of us, 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 and we, 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 we all the way home. Um, <coughs> we, we. So let me just say this you and I are not Jesus. There's one Son of God, his name's Jesus. You and I are sons and daughters of God. We've been adopted into his family as co-heirs of lots of things. But even when he was with his disciples, Jesus himself did miracles. So he'd be walking the streets and um, heading places and he would um, be responsible for a, a miracle being unlocked in someone's world by himself. And I've watched over the years my walk through Christian life we get individual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit it mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the the gifts of the Spirit are given but they're given for what? the common good they're actually about the community of faith they always have been they always will be Um, and I noticed that when Jesus sent the disciples out when they were learning how to do this guess what he didn't do? He didn't send them out by themselves. They actually went out, and their mechanism for being involved in miracles was going with somebody else. Very much emphasising to me, and what I want to say this morning, that in our very individualistic 21st, Western century, 21st century Western um, secular humanist world we live in, where the individual is paramount, individual rights, individual everything else, the kingdom of God, I believe, stands strongly opposed to that view of life. The kingdom of God's about us and community. It's more important about what happens to us. Um, a perverted version of that. <clears throat> um, and everything that God does that's good is up for grabs for the devil to make into something not quite the same. And uh, so, um, dare I say it, my youngest son will have a snicker in a moment, but... I'll I'll move on from my little hobby horse. The fraudulent version of the kingdom of God is Marxist communism. It's a fraud. It's a fraud with bells on. Just let me convert you to being a non-Marxist. Be a Jesus follower. Be a person who believes in the community of faith, who believes in the community of good, through individual effort, but through collaboration and a valuing of the other person. That's the community. God's at the top. Communism, the state's at the top. That's another story for another day. I'll get into my bandwagon. We'll be here all day and I might make some enemies. It's okay. That's just an aside. God wants us to work together. And I thought, well, have I ever gone off with somebody else to be involved in a miracle? So even... Like, how would that work? We have people come to the front of our church for prayer and we believe that praying for people can produce miracles. Tim testified that his back was greatly improved or healed during the Sunday when we were praying for him. That's us praying for him. But it could have been an individual. And I'm not saying the individuals can't pray for miracles. But what I want to say is, I think it's a challenge for us to go, that's not as important as us learning that we together might be able to do more than us on our own. Just saying. I'm just wondering whether we, we sort of went, well, when we pray for people, we're going to always, or sometimes, get two people just to come up, two sets of voices listening to the same God who are gifted differently can unlock something that one of us can't. Yeah. For example, Jenny Jones is not here at this service this morning, but Jenny Jones testified a few weeks ago that she was healed from a really crooked back like a debilitating back problem that she had and uh, she prayed and people prayed for her and I've got no doubt that somewhere in the mix someone would have been praying by faith for a miracle of healing to heal her back guess what didn't happen why because the voice that needed to be heard as she testified was somebody needed to challenge her to actually forgive somebody forgive a situation and so the The miracle wasn't delivered in the form of be healed in Jesus' name of back pain. It was be healed in Jesus' name, but like get over that offence first. Let that thing go. There was a word of knowledge that actually didn't seem related to, but was directly connected to her and her testimony was, soon as I forgave that person in that situation, my back was healed. That's the us side of a miracle like, let's not assume just because we think, and we maybe we do, we hear from God. That's the answer. What if he's wired it that we are actually functioning way better two by two as pairs yeah. or larger groups so that when we pray with people, we're confident that maybe I don't see. Paul says this, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But what if there's one part in me and another part in you, yeah. then the person gets the whole lot. Yeah. That makes sense? It's like, I love the fact that miracles aren't going to be delivered the way we always think they are. Um, Jesus said this, and I want to say this by extension of what he says. In John 15 verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I understand that. That's about me being connected to him. But I want to put an extension of thought to that scripture of that truth. And that, that is that apart from you, I can do nothing. So apart from him, I can do nothing. But you and I as Christ followers, apart from you, whoever you might be to me, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can be a loud clanging cymbal and a gong. I can have all that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13... I can have all of this spiritual gifting in my life, but if I haven't got love, and what's love without another person? Right. Oh, I've got love. Well, who do you love? Oh, I don't love anybody, but I've got love. No, love by default is inclusive of a relationship. Yeah. Like Love implies, if nothing else, it demands actually, it demands somebody to be connected. Anyone say amen to that? So fruitfulness, my first point this morning, is comes from being connected to him and as a principal others. That includes the working of miracles. That's why we have church. One reason why we come together as church. We can pray together for things to happen. We can be together uh, in prayer which why we have connect groups. It's, like, well, it's all about relationship. But why is it about relationship? It's because the way the kingdom works is around the modus operandi of us. And you and I have been... In my view, we've got to understand the power of the way we've been brought up in a, in a society that quite rightly, in lots of ways, emphasises individuality and individual rights. There's a whole part of me that says there's a lot of good stuff in that. But don't let that be something that pulls us out of the importance of the we. We need to work together. Amen? First week of my, this series, I preached the message. When I preached, I talked about my carport. Anyone remember that? So, we, And about the fact that the carport got delivered en masse into my driveway. It was like the analogy is God dropped a miracle in my driveway and I could leave it there till hell freezes over and it would still just be a package of steel in my driveway. The complete miracle that God wants you to have might have already been put in your world. It just hasn't been put together yet. It's like, well, that's an interesting series of thinking. Well, I want to give a little bit more information about that. <clears throat> work, the workings of miracles. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of the Spirit, the working of miracles, and where that line of thinking came from for me. And I was talking about, thinking about the work of the carport. And I actually enjoy working by myself. This is an uh, ironic comment to make with all I'm saying this morning. I actually like working by myself. Um, And so it's kind of a challenge for me to work with you. Just saying. (laughs) Don't take that personally, right? It's just any you, generic you, okay? Um, But I had to face the brutal reality that in carport construction, there are some things that I just cannot say cannot there's things I cannot do by myself. In fact, John and I found out, because I got John over, he was my you, and uh, we tried to put up this big centre beam and the two of us that was a you wasn't wasn't enough, exactly. It was like, we needed girl power. (laughs) Well, there's there's probably a very deep truth in that little bit of a quip from the front line, but anyway... (laughs) Yeah, so we had to go and literally lasso Emma and Julie to come and hold some ropes in the rain. In the rain. That was just a steady though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, we actually had two of us and the two of us couldn't lift it. So when we had Pastor Steve here last weekend, we had three ladders and three guys lifted it because it took three of us. And then once it was up, we wanted to stabilise it, so the beautiful ladies helped us to stabilise it with ropes. But my point is this. Got me thinking. I wonder if there really are parts of the working of a miracle that are never going to be about just you doing your thing. What if the miracle is so big? What if the thing God's got planned for the recipient of a miracle is so life-changing that he wants it to be a we there, not a me there. Wants us to be an us there, not an I there. Just, I'm not going to try to put into a practical sense what that might look like, because I, I haven't unpacked that even at a practical level myself this morning. But I want the, I guess, the principle of it to, to start to settle on us as a church. I value us. Funny to say that, right? <laughs> Um, As the senior ministers, Julie and I value, we're senior ministers together. C3's got a deal, uh, is in a theological deal with that. We absolutely ordain men and women as ministry couples. Now, that doesn't mean we can't and we won't ordain an individual because we have and we do. But as a general principle, as a movement of churches, we value and understand the principle of us, a ministry couple, husband and wife, ministering together as senior ministers of a congregation, that's a model of us. So it doesn't surprise me in some respects that this is coming out of my mouth this morning, I value us. I hate saying that because, well, maybe I should say we value us. Oftentimes up here, I'm I'm the spokesperson preaching this morning, but I'd hate you to think that this is just my idea or this is my opinion. Uh, Let me tell you, there's been some corrective conversations after some sermons. The we've had a conversation. And so, lots of what I say after 24 years of doing this together is definitely woven with we, even though it's I that delivers it. Are you hearing me? But that's the nature of maybe how the miracle gets delivered. It might be, well, you're the person as an I who actually lays hands on somebody, but you know that we have been praying with you at Connect Group for that gift to rise up. It's not about you having the gift. As an end, it's about the person getting the miracle because we prayed for you to be the conduit through which it comes. Does that make sense? And so in some respects, we've got to value the people around us, the people in our connect group, the people in our church, the people that are joining us at Parkside. I just wonder who God's going to bring into the mix. Who's God going to bring into this church next? Who's going to come in the door of this church? And unbeknownst to us, God's got plans big plans. I want to go back to my beginning as I say this, the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm serious when I say, you and I are made out of the very first things that he created. At this point in the scripture, he hasn't said a thing. The rest of the creation was what God spoke into being, but at the very beginning is very clear, in the beginning, God created Kind of, and it's a conundrum for me because I've always had this picture in my head, theologically, that everything that we see God's created is being spoken into being. But the heaven and the earth weren't, nor was water. God just created them. Look for yourself, just read it. It's like, so you and I are made essentially out of dirt and water, the first things he created. I want to say to you, when he made dirt and water, He's actually got a picture of you and me. It was formless and the spirit of the God was hovering over the waters, it said, was formless and void, had no form. And then he spoke. The last thing he created was human beings. But I reckon he had us in mind at the very start. He's got the miracle that you need in mind before you were born. All he's doing, and I can't understand why God's done this. I mean, God... Has the ability to do anything, right? The impossible. I'm thinking, why? Why would he put the miracles that somebody needs in our hands? Because he has. Jesus came, Jesus was crucified, Jesus rose to life uh, again. Jesus met with some guys and said, stick around Jerusalem until the Spirit of God comes on you. I'm going home. See you later, alligator. I'm out of here. And he left. He said, he's coming back one day. I believe that. But he left it to us. I'm thinking, but Jesus, when he was in that zone between being raised from the dead and going up to heaven, he just appeared. People were praying. and Jesus was in the middle of the room. Then he vanished from their sight. I'm thinking that would have been a good project to just keep doing Jesus. Don't put it in our hands. Whenever people just zip around the world, you can timeless, you just pop in here, there, everywhere, and Jesus turned up. God could have done that. But from the very beginning of time, he's decided that what we are created in his image, he wants us to deliver his gospel of salvation to people. I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. He's put the eternity of a whole bunch of other human beings in our hands. And when I think about it like that, I'm thinking, I I can't possibly do this by myself. I don't have enough influence. I don't have enough voice. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough anything. But I have got you guys. And you've got me. And we have got the capacity to shift things. And the more I think about the we, so our three strong arms, we got that centre piece of my carport up, three of us lifted up. It actually wasn't that hard when there were three of us. It was impossible for me to do it myself. There's dimensions of what God wants you to be involved with that are impossible for you to do by yourself. Let me say There's things that God wants you to do that are impossible for you to do by yourself who are the people that you need to be connecting with really well. I'd hope many of them are here in church, but they don't have to be. They could be people all over the place that you relate to. Whoa. So fruitfulness comes from being connected to him and as a principle connected to others. Point number one. Second point I want to say this morning is, we live in a kingdom that is not of this world. As as you want to read Jesus' words on that, John 18, verse 36. Jesus reigns in that kingdom. He is supernatural and operates in the realm that cannot be seen with human eyes, but with the eyes of faith. Galatians 3.11 says this, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. We live by faith in the living God, correct? Yeah. Yep, Julie heard that. We live by faith, right? Yeah. yeah. What about this? Um, it, Um, Paul writes even more extensively. I'll just read this to you from um, where are we? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Um, If anyone is in Christ, it's a different scripture. He or she is a brand new creation. Did a bit of research in a couple of commentaries yesterday in Genesis chapter 1. Going back there again for a moment. Um, and I'm not a big fan of espousing Hebrew and Greek um, language from the pulpit, so I'm not going to do that other than to say this. Um, in the Hebrew <clears throat> language, there's two different words used for creation and there's only one that's ever used by, in reference to what God makes which is clearly he makes things out of nothing. And every other instance of creation, things being made, where it's referring to you or me making things, is a different word. God makes things from nothing. We can't. We always create things out of something that already exists. That's where God's unique. He, so when we read that he's a, anyone's in Christ, they're a brand new creation. Don't be thinking for one moment, that you're, you've been to the panel beater shop and God's just tidied you up, cleaned up the mess that your life was, Paul. He hasn't just cleaned up the mess. He hasn't put a new paint job on. He hasn't rearranged the furniture in your life. When it says you're a brand new creation, something that didn't exist yeah. has been put in you. Jesus says you've got to be born again of the Spirit. There's this weird, for example, Mormons believe that the Spirit kind of lives in some faraway place and then visits us in a body and then the Spirit goes off to another place afterwards and there's the Spirit, each one of us has always existed like God. It's not true. I think our Spirit is created the moment we're conceived, maybe, but maybe that might be the spirit of life. Maybe that's more the soul. I don't know. I don't want to get into a conundrum about the language here. But what I do want to say is I believe that when we come to Christ, the new thing is a new spirit yeah. something that did not exist. It's not like even our spirit's being tidied up. If our spirit is connected to our emotions, it's connected to our experience, it's connected to our upbringing, connected to be where we lived and what time in history and so forth, maybe that does need to be tidied up, but it's a lot better if it's just brand new. Brand new spirit, brand new spirit aligned with the purpose of God. Anyone hearing me? Yeah. Do, I, do I want to do what God wants to do? My spirit does, because he created it, Brand new. Brand new, it's a brand new creation. That means all of the stuff that's gone on before in your life doesn't, shouldn't, can't actually sidetrack that brand new thing in you. It's stitched up, it's powered up, it's ready to do what God wants you to do. And that part of you is going, yes and amen. The old part of you is going, hang on a minute, whoa, let's not do that. Let's be generous. Oh, no, we can't afford Let's tithe. No, no, we can't do that. There's a part of you that's wanting to jump into the things of God because of the Spirit He's put inside of you. I'm excited about that. I can feel something sort of getting on me as I'm saying that. The Spirit, David, your spirit, man, is on fire. It is. I've got to tell you, I I see, I see a spark in you that is so, um, in some respects, constrained, and I miss this as a criticism, by, I'm not sure what, but I want to tell you, God wants you to let that thing out, man. Be a little more outspoken. Like, Oh, how can I do that? Yes, you can. You're a brand new creation. God's got plans for you. I see you having conversations you would never have dreamt you have with people you work with. This week even, something's going to come out of your mouth, and I'd love you to come and tell me next week what it is. Something's going to come out of your mouth that the Spirit of God, the brand new creation that he put in you, when you gave your heart to him, you're going to speak out of that place, someone at work this week, and it's going to change their life. I don't know whether you've had some previous or there's even some pre-conversations you're aware of that have been going on, but I'd get ready for something that might be on the way to work, but it's in that context. Get ready. That'd be a miracle, right? Man, you're quiet. (laughs) These guys are really friendly too, I kind of think. Aren't they, Nathan? Yep, Yep. very good. Lisa, you're looking very... When I start walking around, all these people get nervous. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Your voice. I see you. um, I actually see you preaching down the track. I don't mean tomorrow. And I don't even mean at church on a Sunday necessarily. It could be, but I do see you in front of people. Telling people how awesome God is, how He can transform your life, your testimony is going to become increasingly clear to you as into what of it has got the power kind of deal on it. You're going to spend time. I encourage you spend the time, write your testimony down, and then start carving it up to put it. Like, what's what's the bottom line here? What is the thing that really changed for me when I met Jesus? and you're going to have a word to people that is going to unlock people um, and you'll be staggered. Honestly, you'll be like, really? You, you got saved from what I said in that conversation? You'll be having coffee with somebody and you'll just pop out a few words and they'll, they'll say, sort of tell me more. And I see you having a platform. As I said, it, it'll be a place where you just get to share the gospel. That's pretty cool. Aaron, looking pretty quiet down there. A cool dude. Is it cold back here, mate? No, just bad hair day. Chief as <laughs> I can be, mean, can't I? This this guy's a legend. He he loves music. I see you continuing to um, bring places like this into the presence of God. When you're playing, I encourage you just as the next things you keep doing playing whatever instrument it is you're picking up. I don't know how many you can play these days. How many can you play these days? Lost count? Ten instruments. A little bit musical maybe. (laughs) Whatever instrument you're playing, look for the anointing. When you're looking out over the congregation, God's going to open your eyes to see the Spirit on people. And uh, you just uh, get into a place of, Asking God to let whatever notes, and I mean notes, like a specific note is going to hit Rachel, bang. She'll be singing a song. I'm just picking on you because I can see you. but It could be anybody in here. What if the note C major, uh, the chord C major, on a particular day is like a tune out of heaven that you've just been waiting to hear? Like, we, we think miracles have got to be packaged up in a certain way, but, but what if it's a particular segment of a song? What if it's a particular moment in the meeting where there's a particular vibe musically going on? And Aaron, I think you're going to see it. And you're going to believe, when I'm playing that part of the song, healing's are going to happen. When I'm playing that part of the song, depression is going to be lifting off different people. And you'll see depression like a black cloud over people as you're playing, and it'll it'll just it'll look for it start giving thanks to God your gift of music man is going to keep going I watched you this morning I got my eye on you <laughs> I love you man you're an awesome young fella and uh, you've got a great great future of contributing to the house of God wherever you go and as long as it's here for the next 20 years that'll be okay <laughs> just saying um I want to finish up, third point, it's time to move permanently into the realm of miracles. Walk by faith more and more, stop and pray, talk to God, seek his face. That little moment with Aaron was that. Like, we do things that we think are normal, and they are, mundane, and they might be, but what if in our hands it's a gift we've got? What if the gift we've got has got more power behind it than we actually realise? So if it's not music, it might be talking, maybe. If it's not, it might be hospitality, it might be generosity. What if your generosity has got way more power to do things than you could have possibly imagined? A funny thing that God says that he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In Ephesians chapter 3, about verse 20, I think that is. He can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So what if it is being generous? What if it is being hospitable? What if it is working at work hard with a good attitude? What if that's got more behind it than just getting a paycheck? What if it's got a whole lot more opportunity to have a huge influence in your workplace or a huge influence in the suburb or the part of the city that your workplace is in? I mean, it just blows my mind. Walk by faith. Remember, God's into the miracles. God wants you to be a miracle deliverer And uh, maybe at Connect Groups over the next, just the remainder of this year, I want you to be praying together that we uh, would get behind and pray for all of the team at Parkside so that when they individually or as pairs or as whatever, when they're doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying, miraculous power will be released into the meeting. People will get saved. People will get set free. People will become connected and become partners of C3 Parkside. I mean, how exciting is that? James 1 says this, but don't be double-minded about this. Don't be dilly-dallying with God when it comes to this realm of his world. James warns that such a person won't receive anything from God. If you want to shut down a miracle delivery, become a doubter. Become, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Will I, won't I? Could I, couldn't I? Don't go there. That'll shut the door. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That is a scary scripture. That's James chapter 1, verse 7. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a bad day in life. How does it come to you? When you doubt. So, antidote, believe. Come on, I believe. You are the God of miracles, right? I believe that. I believe that. Do you believe that? Give it a shout if you do. Yes, Yes. I believe that. I'm the God of miracles. Um, Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Oh, James doesn't hold back, does he? The book of Revelation, John, the the Apostle John, he, he looks at it a different way. Revelation 3, verses 16 through 22, he's talking about the same thing. So because of your lukewarm, or because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is God speaking to a church. So let's not be lukewarm, guys. Let's be either right in or let's get out. And I'd say, well, let's forget the second option. Let's get right in. Let's get right into the room of miracles. Let's get right into the new creation. Let's get right into we can do this. Let's get right into God will do this through us. You say I'm rich. This is going on in Revelation I have acquired wealth and don't need a thing. That sounds like Australia, more or less. Many of us, is it? But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I count you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and put salve in your eyes so you can see. There's a sense in which we can't afford to think that we are okay without God. I want to be hot for God. I want to be... Not lukewarm. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to finish up this morning. It goes on to say in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Like God's absolutely looking for people who are dead set serious about what he Desires to happen on planet earth. Verse 20 has spoken in many places. This is Jesus speaking <coughs> through the spirit to these churches. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm wondering whether this verse is saying this these verses if we're lukewarm Jesus is not living inside if he's inside you're going to be hot for the trot if he's standing on the outside saying I'm standing at the door knocking so almost saying to a church you guys have become lukewarm because I'm no longer the center of attention and he needs to be not only in a church but in an individual's life so this morning, maybe you're standing at this moment in this meeting and Jesus has never been on the inside of your life as an individual. This verse has quoted many places, probably a little bit out of context because it is talking to a church, but it, the principle works. You're standing at the door of your heart and knocking and saying, can I come in? There might be arenas of our church corporate life here that Jesus would say these words to us, guys, let me back in. You kind of got off track a little bit. You're doing it in your own strength. Let me in. I'm at the door knocking. Can I come in? And he wants to come into a life. He wants to come into a community to bring his life, his purpose, his miracle working power, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his compassion, everything about the kingdom of God. He wants us to have, he wants you to have that as an individual in your life. If you've never prayed a prayer that says, Lord, I hear that knock and I'm gonna open the door, come into my life. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a repair of acknowledging your need for God. And it's a prayer, the day you become a brand new creation, you become somebody who's a Christ follower and uh, you would be referred to as a Christian after that prayer, that would be an awesome thing. But maybe you're a bit like this church you started out well as a Christian, but you are lukewarm and you know you are because Jesus is no longer the center of your life. You've lost your way. Exactly the same question is is put to you. Why don't you come back to him by opening your door of your heart to him this morning and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been a mug. I really thought I could do this differently, but I've made a mess of it. I'm sorry, Lord. Would you forgive me? Which he will. He'll come into your life. And so you can come back to him. So you may never have prayed a prayer like that, or you may have some other time in your life, but you've lost your way completely. Today, I'm saying to you, you can come back to him by repenting, saying, Lord, I am sorry. And you too will find a brand new creation moment again in your life. If that's you, either of those scenarios, I'd love you to just for a moment, while we're standing in quietness, to slip your hand up and say, Pastor Bruce, that is me. I want to come back to the Lord. I've been a long way away. Or I've never known him, but something's been said this morning that has opened my eyes and I want to let Jesus in. That's you. Slip your hand up as well. That's a faith moment. Thank you, Lord. Come back to him. Don't be afraid. He's a loving, compassionate, caring God. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, today we just come to a close. We pray, Father, that as we head out into the week ahead, tonight down to Parkside, some of us, many of us are going, Lord, that we would have a great time of fellowship and a great time of putting our footprint down in those foothill suburbs. Pray you'd bless us, Lord, as we go into the workplaces that we're part of, into our families, into our homes that those of us that are parents here this week, Lord, would find the words of life coming out of our mouth. We'd instruct and teach our kids how to follow Christ. In our workplaces, Lord, we just live a life that brings glory and honour to your name. All that we do, Lord, help us to walk the walk and be those that are salt and light on planet earth. So go with us by your spirit, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. How good is God? If you want um, prayer for anything specific this morning, um, the front of our church is always open for prayer business at the end of a service. Myself or some of the team would love to pray with Emma and John will um, probably pray for you actually and uh, anyone else that's on our team can pray because we can pray together, right? Yeah. The point is, don't go home carrying something that you came to church with. Maybe the message has set you free this morning but maybe you just need something. So please feel free to come down the front and we'd love to pray with you. In the meantime, if that's not going to happen for you, go and get a coffee, have a chat to somebody. And uh, remember next week's Father's Day, 10 o'clock with a 9.30 brunch. God bless. Go and enjoy yourselves.